0: and thank you for joining us today. I am Sunny Sunlight's Community Manager, and a Sunlight mom of two. And right now we are going to talk about teaching a child who's not average. So whether they're struggling or you're struggling to keep up with them, we want you to glean some helpful information today to use in your homeschool.
1: So today I have Sheila and Rhonda here and we'll start with introductions. Sheila, do you wanna start? Sure, happy to. Um, I am a retired homeschool mom of three kids. Um, They're all they've been home home, homeschooled too all the way through and I have my last one in in nursing school. I also like to help in the sunlight app as a mentor and I travel to homeschool conventions and help folks
2: figure out how to homeschool for themselves. Great. Thank you. And Rhonda, do you want to go? Yes, um, I am also a retired homeschool mom of five and um, the last one just graduated from college in May. So we're done there. Um, I still feel like I'm very much in the homeschool world because my oldest daughter is currently homeschooling her three children. And so it's fun to relive all the years and the experiences with her as she's telling me the cool stuff that you know she's getting. So I, I really enjoy that. And maybe I could steal one or two of them too. And then I could homeschool again. That would be fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. And then um, teaching, just like Sheila said, doing the um, conventions as a, as a consultant. And then um, I also have been doing a sunlight-based um, co-op for a number of years since 1999 and teaching um, language arts and um, writing there. So
0: Nice, well welcome and thank you both for being here. Let's go ahead and jump in by kind of starting with a definition of what we mean by average student. I mean, every child is unique, so there really is no such thing as average, but kind of what we're going for here, maybe a better word choice to be a child who isn't easy to teach for one reason or another. So can you guys give us some ideas about what some of those things might be?
1: So I think about in a normal classroom, Um, You will usually see a bell curve of students and in a classroom, the teacher will usually teach to the middle of the bell. So there's going to be the outliers, the kids who are really super smart and advanced in a subject. So whether it's reading or math, um, they're going to be ahead of their peers. And then you're going to have the other outliers who are behind for some reason, either They have a learning disability that hasn't been um, discovered yet and helped and that they haven't gotten help for it or um, they got kind of pushed through and they didn't get the attention that they need needed at a younger year at the foundational level so when you don't know how to read you know you don't know your letters and you get passed on and passed on then you fall further and further behind so i would say that it's going to be those Two camps, the outlier camps, and not just your average child who can do things without too much um, hand hol- holding or too much difficulty. Yeah, thank
0: you. Um, and growing up, I know like my sister and I were compared a lot as siblings. We looked a lot alike, but we were totally different. And those comparisons began to shape who we thought we were for how we behaved, even how we learned. Um, and you often hear about that, how labels can become a self-fulfilling prophecy for a child. So when you homeschool multiple children, you have siblings in the same school together. It's a little different than a classroom and you can see those differences pretty quickly, but how do you avoid comparisons between your children or labeling them in a certain way that's going to be a detriment to their education process?
2: I agree with you. Like even with a family, it's hard because each child is unique. And I think one thing that I really focused in on was just actually asking God to show me the heart of who the child is and to show me and to make it very apparent if I'm, you know, if it wasn't obvious to see what their gifting areas were and then to just really make it so much about celebrating each each child's different giftings because they were all different, all five of them. And so they're that way it's, so maybe you're comparing but it's not a comparison in that you're, you're just saying, oh yeah, so your brother is really good at that. So like, let's learn from them. So let's do that. Oh, but you have this. So you do that one and, and we'll all join in and, and just kind of learning, getting that kind of environment into, into the home. And even with all that hard work, I mean, it was still, I think, difficult, you know, cause I do have, you know, one child who struggles a little bit and it was a little hard on him to see some kids just, you know, fly through, i.e. his siblings where he had to work for every single thing he got. And then, and so then encouraging that. So I think it's just a mother's sensitive heart to the child and, and just trusting like day by day and realizing, okay, well, yeah, they're, they're flying through this, but they couldn't figure out this emotional social thing to save their lives that you have like easy, you know? So I think just that's, I think a good way to avoid some of that. And it's gonna happen naturally cause it's just human nature, but, but as mothers we can direct a little bit of that, I think.
1: Yeah, I think to that, I would add um, thinking about my own kids. And when we first start started to homeschool, I mean, it was our, you know, we were just starting out. I had a kindergartner and, um, and he did okay. And then the next year in first grade, he was still struggling with, with lear- learning how to read. Um, by the next year, no, 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 I think it was first grade, his brother... So Tommy was 6, Timothy was 4 and he's watching me work with his brother and he's like, "Mom, when do I get to learn learn to read?" And I'm thinking, "Your brother can't even read, you got plenty of time." <laughs> and you know, in I didn't mean to compare them but, but this is we're we're working along and this is the path that we're going on. And then he totally surprised me by picking up the little re- reader and reading it. Like I had not been working with him at all. He was four <laughs> and he was just listening to what I was doing with the six-year-old and got it when the six-year-old was not getting it. So I was comparing them because, you know, I'm like, well, this is the way you go. And he's not here, here yet. So clear, clearly you aren't here, here, here yet, but I wasn't saying it in like, a, I wish you could be more like your bro- brother, mm-hmm. not that kind of a comparison, okay. just. You know, there's an order, there's a, a fluidity to, to yeah. things. And so, so that, I mean, he to- totally caught me off guard and then along comes his sister and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to go just like, you know, the second one did. And no, she was more like her brother. And so she also stru- struggled. So I think, you know, part of the difference is to our personality, um, mm-hmm. Some kids are are more visual. Some kids are more auditory. Um, some kids are more patient. Some kids are very active. And so, um, like Rhonda was saying, our kids are all going to be different. And so we need to just remember that when we're tempted to want them to be like their sibling, <laughs> who can yeah. sit still, who can, you know, right. read on the first try or whatever, but just remembering that each child is different. God created them that way. He knows what he created. And it's our privilege to discover how they are different and to celebrate those differences and to, and to strengthen the areas of may, maybe weakness, you know, I, 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 don't even want to call it, call it that there, it's just not as strong. And then, um and then to play into the strengths, because if they are if they have these strengths, God has gifted them with these strengths. And so that's, he's going to use them when they're grown, you know, for a future. So, yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, something that you brought up, both of you, is that all your children are different. So you might be homeschooling one child and think, "Okay, I know what is normal or what I'm supposed to do," or you know. And then the next child comes along, learning completely differently, different personality, different strengths, yes. all of that. So I think um, a good thing to remember is don't freak out <laughs> when one child is not like the other. I know my firstborn was mine that was ready to do everything early, and she learned well, and so I thought that was kind of my guideline of what a kid should do, mm-hmm. and. And it took me a little time to realize, no, my second child just learns differently. And, you know, we'd need to figure out what makes things click for him. Um, But it wasn't necessarily a problem. Um, And then, like you said, not comparing them to each other, like, be more like this child or be more like that one. Um, Because that can obviously cause issues for them that they didn't even realize you know, something was a weakness for them until you point it out. Um, but let's go ahead and start by talking about the learning disabilities or the delayed learners, or maybe a child that did not get a good foundation. Maybe they started in school and now they're being homeschooled and they didn't get that good foundation. So how can homeschooling be beneficial for those types of students?
2: I think one of the first things that it does is it takes off the um, shackles, shall we say, of meeting the expectations in a public situation because that the public school is made for, like when Sheila was talking about the bell curve, you're talking about, it's really teaching to the, me- the middle and your children, most kids really aren't in the middle. They're really all over the dial in different areas. and And so I think taking off those shackles is one of the best things that homeschooling does. In other words, allowing you to create a, um, custom custom clothing for them instead of like, here, we just went to, you know, JC Penney's and got you a suit, wear it. This is, this is much more of a custom situation. So I know um, I, there was a bad, like Brooke when she started, that's my oldest and I didn't start, the younger three were homeschooled from day one, but she was a sixth grader and went through sixth grade. And then in seventh grade, and I think it, it was core, Um, it was F the um, Eastern, Eastern one that um, we started with. And to be honest, she was a seventh grader. I just let her read. We read because I had to peel off. Like, like if you had, she had to write a book report every time she read a book when she was in school and she did not like reading. And I wanted her to get her love of reading back and it it did it, and we just read and we talked and um, you know <laughs> went to Indian restaurants and you know did did all the things so that she could just breathe and get that get that joy back and and so that's the child who was homeschooling her children, you know, and loves and loves it with all her heart. And um, Grant came home one day from school. He was in school through halfway through third grade, and he came home. And this is a child that is I would describe as a book pit when he was a first grader or I don't think I really taught him to read I don't know he just started reading and and he was reading like Swiss Family Robinson the real one the big one this one and like he was six and (laughs) And so so he was in school and I had taught him I don't care like you can like you wait for the other children you don't answer first you 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 know, you don't, you don't cause a ruckus. You just do your thing. He came home one day. He said, I am not a good student and I don't want to read anymore. And I was like, okay, (laughs) I knew nothing about homeschooling, pulled him home and just again, took off those shackles and let my baby fly and be free and read and talk and breathe. And, you know get that joy, get that joy that had been beat out of them back. So, yeah.
1: I think what I've seen is um, when I talk to people who are bringing their kids home, and um, especially when there is an issue, so maybe they aren't reading well, they're not reading at grade level, they're not doing math at grade level, or they hate math, you know, they can't do multiplication and they're in third third grade or whatever. And um, part of it is that, they did not get the foundational things that that they need. And they just keep getting promoted to the next grade without really, you know, the further up you go, the further behind you get. Mm-hmm. And so when I talk to those people, what I love to tell them is that this is the really the the beauty about homeschooling is that you get to place your child at whatever level they are. So if they're eight years old and they're supposed to be in third, third grade, but they can't read the cat in the hat that's okay. You start there. You, you you get them to that level and you, you give them the love of learning. You read to them. Um, Two of my three kids are dyslexic. And so I would read aloud. That's one thing I love about Sunlight is that they are only responsible to read their readers. Everything else I would read to them. If they're in school, they have to read their history textbook. They have to read their science textbook. They have to read their literature whatever it is you know English book um they have to read everything for themselves and when you struggle with that then everything is a chore so when I was reading history aloud to my kids I I read to my daughter up into high school like usually with sunlight in high school they 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 do all the reading for themselves but I did a lot of reading to her we did a lot of uh, audiobooks and um and that allowed her to progress, like that didn't hold her back. Her re- reading eventually caught up, but we had to cut out. She could not read at the pace that a regular sunlight kid can, can read. Um, and so you make modifications in order to help your child get to mm-hmm. where, you know, they they don't feel yeah. dumb. They don't feel st- stupid because they can't read or, you know, they, they can't do the math that their friends can do or whatever. So the beauty of homeschooling is that you get to hold the reins, you get to figure out, you know, through placement tests, through talking with advisors or mentors, um, a good place to start. I like to say it's better to start on the easy end, especially with a child who's been str- struggling, because that builds confidence. You know, let's just read this book, and mm-hmm. it may be way below grade, grade grade level. But if they're able to, then you praise them. What's praised is repeated. So you praise them for a job well done, and then you get the next level, and then you know, and you just take baby steps um, and make the improvement that way. And they have no one else to compare because unless they have a twin. <laughs> even their siblings are going to be at different ages. So therefore different Mm -hmm. levels. And so they're not comparing themselves to classmates and not doing as well as the kid over here and the kid over there and the kid over there, because it's just them. And they're getting one-on-one attention from mom. So that's a tutorial approach. We pay, I mean, my son works as a tutor and makes good money, you know? So, you are being your child's tutor, working one-on-one, helping them and and then removing um, those obstacles by doing a lot of the reading for for them, mm-hmm. even with math. Like if they can't read their math directions, read it for, for them, explain it to, to them. They don't have to just sit in the corner because you got 24 kids that you yeah. need to ma- manage. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. You brought up several great points there. I know uh, that math example actually happened when my parents were in town and my son was doing his math and I was working. So my mom's like, oh, I'll help him with math. And then she comes in and goes, he can't read his word problems. Is that okay? And I was like, yes, he's not there yet. <laughs> like, where I don't expect him. Like, here's your math book. Do it all. You know, it was like, he, he can't read all of the words in his word problems. So, He knows that he can come to me and I will read that to him. And then he just has to focus on the math. Um, And then also sunlight. you know, we don't have set grades. This is third grade, this is fourth grade, right? There's the range. So you really can assess where is your student at? What level are they? Are you combining kids that are, you know, two or three years apart? they're obviously getting different things out of those programs. Um, So yeah, that custom approach is one of my favorite things about homeschooling and Sunlight does make it super easy uh, to kind of place them where they might be. And Sheila, you mentioned the modifications, reading to your kids, nobody says they have to read everything, even in high school, Um, like you said. So yeah, you can keep doing whatever that student needs to help them thrive. But what about in situations where you might be butting heads with your student and you don't know, are they not understanding it? Are they just trying to, you know, rebel or exert their independence? You know, how do you kind of work through those situations where conflict is happening? I know my youngest would act out anytime he didn't understand something. So how do you know if it's more behavioral or learning and how do you address those situations?
2: I think you kind of answered some of the question yourself (laughs) when you said he would act out when he didn't understand something. And I think Mm -hmm. that's first, that's first right there is key is understanding why, like what, what's happening? Why are they rebelling or why are they, why are they showing these behavioral issues? That would be the very first thing that I'd want to figure out. Is it an understanding issue? Is it, and then I would call that the other way would be a heart issue issue. You know, are they in rebellion just because they're angry about something? Well, then I want to find out, well, what are we, what are we rebelling against? Like, what are, what are we angry for or whatever? So that would be the, the first steps is like, why, what, why are we having these issues, whether this conflict and the other thing I would do is if it's an older child, I would definitely pick a time to talk about those things and to um, address, address any issues that you find not when you're in the crisis. Mm-hmm. I would talk when you when it is a calm moment and I don't even know that I would have the whole conversation that you want to have because as an adult you've processed so much more than they can and it's a lot and can be overwhelming for them if if there is a lot going on with them to bring all of that out maybe at once. So maybe you really think about it, pray about it, and see like, okay, what's the most important piece? Let's just go for that most important piece. And then maybe, maybe not, we'll get to the other pieces, depending on as we're working on this important, most important piece right now, that's the one we're going to, to address first. So that's what I would say too. It's kind of like that old adage of how do you eat an elephant, right? Well, you eat it one bite at a time. And I think it's the same thing with Behavioral difficulties, or or um, just conflicts like that, or learning differences, and just trying to understand the difference. I think it's just take the one step at a time, and don't expect to look down the path and see a clear path all the way. You're not going to. You're going to see and be content and happy with that. Okay, okay, I figured this out. We we've got this piece, and now I'm going to move on to the next. next piece i think that's important and some things that i know um i did too was just i really set set boundaries of you are very very welcome to express whatever displeasure you have or your opinions or your ideas of whatever it you will however be talking to me respectfully you know and you will however pick an appropriate time or something to be having this conversation it's not the time to pick it even for them in the midst of the work, because we need to get the work, you know, like we're, we're getting those things down. Um, I tended to um, have natural consequences the best I could be the result of, of whatever, whatever is going on. Sometimes if you determine that it's a, it's actually a behavioral issue, I oftentimes then would determine what the natural consequence of that was. So if, if you decided to I don't know, you just aren't going to do your work or whatever. Well, maybe you miss whatever the special event was, you know, but I'm careful about that too. When I take away privileges, actually, because you don't want it to get to the point where there's nothing happy in their lives and then they become more miserable and then you have no, so careful with that. (laughs) Um, And then the last thing I would say is, um, and it's so hard because we're moms and we don't want to see our babies struggle and, It's just hard. It's just hard. And the older they get, you're, you're, it almost seems like the problems are worse because they're, because they can be life impacting is when they're younger. But one thing I would say is avoid that, that concept of trying to rescue. Rescuing them um, instead of Mm -hmm. allowing maybe some of what needs to be taught to happen. We want to come in and do the rescuing and sometimes you can't so that's basics i'm sure sheila you probably have something to add
1: yeah i have a couple things that i that came came to mind so i think one thing i would say is is the rebellion or misbehavior um characteristic of your child? Like, are they traditionally rebellious? Like, you know, do do you just have a hard kid who just likes to say no to anything you say? Like, is it it typical for the child? If you have a pretty complacent child who is being resistant, then maybe there is some sort of problem going on. So um, a couple things that I would suggest is to break it down into smaller bites so it could be that the math page with all the problems is just overwhelming to them. and they just think, I'm going to be here for three hours. I'm never going to get this done. I want to go play. So either a couple of tricks I did was to cover it with a piece of paper and just have them do like a row at a time so they don't see the full full page um, and, and they can just you know move move it down a little bit at a time. Just do this much, okay And then, tell tell me when you're done and then okay oh look that only took two minutes let's do the next row you know just kind of break it down in, into bite-sized bits um i have boy boy girl and my boys are very competitive so they loved the timer i would have just a kitchen timer and i would turn it to whatever you know five minutes ten minutes and i'd be like okay let me see how many you can get done in five ten whatever and they love to race the timer. So of course I did that with my third child, who's a girl, and she would be like, "Mommy, I can't." Like the timer stressed her out. So, you know, again, each child is different, right. so you have to right. try try one thing and then when it doesn't work, try a different thing.
2: Yeah. So, um,
1: so 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 those are a few things. Um, another thought was that it maybe really is too too hard. Um, So for my son who's dyslexic, I think he may be dysgraphic as well. We never had that piece diagnosed. I'm convinced that those two go hand hand in hand. It's just, you know, it's not a scientific thing, just something that I've seen. And um, so the language arts activity sheets were painful. Painful, Like the copy work was painful, the writing out, you know, doing the mechanics practice was painful, doing the writing was painful, it was all painful. And so we had to figure out a way to mo- modify. So for copy work, I would Cut it way, way back. So depending on where they were, if it was, you know, level one, two, three, whatever, um, I would cut it back. So if it was two sentences, you only had to write one. If it was four sentences, you only had to write two. And there were times where we would just drop it all together. Like it's not worth the tears. I'm not, I'm not fighting that bat battle. There are other more important things that I'm going to fight. The mechanics practice, if it was possible, we would do it just out loud, just answer the questions, give me the word, you know, I don't care. Same with the um, science worksheets. If it was a matching, you know, or a fill a fill in the blank or you color the rainbow, whatever, then they they could do it. But if it was describe the water si- cycle, just tell it to me. I, this is not, you, you know, I don't need, I don't need right. it to be written out. So modifications. Um, I learned that as soon as I could teach my son to type, I've got, way more words out of him so in third grade he learned how to type like the right way not hunt and peck and um and then his writing blossomed because it we removed the barrier of the physical handwriting and so the words could flow so keep keep in mind that if if they're fighting back it's probably because there's something that is keeping them from being able to just perform it you know, at their level, because I mean, he is smart. He just can't actually write. Um, So look, look for things, be a detective and figure out what is causing this tears, outbursts, yelling, whatever it is. Um, And if it is something physical like that, then make the modifications. Don't feel like that's cop out. Well, my kid's never going to learn to write. Yes, they will. They will. They will. I promise they will. I have 26, 24, 21. They're all great writers. Even if when they don't like like it, they can do it. Um, it. It's fine. I promise.
2: Yeah. I guess the last things I would say is like, let them know that you're with them in the journey. If it is a learning difference. And I think let them know that you are walking this too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. Um, and then another thing was like celebrating the little things. So like if, if it's with like Sheila was giving her examples of like modification, like I absolutely did the same thing where I would just say, okay, let's get, the, I would pick what was essential that I absolutely wanted them to get. And so then I would put away some of the other things and we got there eventually, but just not all in one day. And so I think that's, that's huge too. And then, so celebrating little things, like when you're like, do you, you wrote that all yourself. Like, really? You just did that? Like, really? Like, wow, that's amazing. I'm so impressed. Just celebrating those things instead of saying, well, it's about time you did it just instead it's a celebration moment. And then finding their giftings I think is so important and talking to them about it and talking to them the way you see God using those gifts in their lives. And I know that sounds all touchy feely, but it's so important to encourage them in that way that what what you see God working with them you know whether it's kindness to their brother or their sister or um, thoughtfulness of thinking ahead of you know getting out the cereal bowls before you came down like whatever I don't care just just that kind of a thing just being an aware mother maybe just awareness of your children yeah Yeah, and I think what you said
0: brought it back to that where you know your children and you know how you can modify or help them, um, you know, and you point out their strengths. And I think that's one of my favorite things about homeschooling is because of the amount of time I spend just living with my kids, not even the academic things, I know what, you know, inspires them, what they're good at, what they get excited about. Um, And so, yeah, you really can... I think more easily figure out what's going on because you know, your kids so well. Mm -hmm. And like you said, celebrating the things they are good at. I know, you know, as a child, you want your parents to be excited about you Mm -hmm. and to love you and, you know, a little kid, that's why they come and cuddle with you and all of those things. And, you know, I've seen, even as my kids have gotten older, you know, they might not be quite as cuddly or hanging on my every word, but they want and need that encouragement. So yeah, I think, All of your points were excellent on that. Um, And we've been talking about kids who were struggling, but what about your more advanced students um, that you know they fly through school, school or academics is kind of easy for them. How do you keep them engaged and and continually learning? Because of course there's always things to learn. So they shouldn't run out of things to do, but how do you keep them engaged and, and not getting maybe bored with school or feeling like they're there be you know above this because they're so far advanced or something like that.
1: I'm going to start because Rhonda has a lot to say and I don't, so I'll just get my <laughs> out of the way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, a couple things that that come to mind are make sure that they are at the level that they need to be. If they're, oh, nice. you know, if they are. Um, Really good at math and you and they are six and you have them in first grade math, maybe they need to be in second grade math like it may be that it's too easy and so you know when it's when it's really below you it's boring like we don't want to work way below I mean a little bit below is fine because then you can just kind of breeze through. Um, so you may want to, if you're just bringing your child home again, use the placement test to make sure that you're placing your child at the right place. Don't just assume first grade, first grade, you know, (laughs) so use, use the placement test. Um, I would also utilize your child. If you have an older child that, um, and you have more, more than one child use that older brighter child to help with the younger ones. So if he breezes through his schoolwork, then maybe he can read aloud to the preschooler. Like here's the preschool books. Would you mind, you know, reading that way they get extra practice. The books are still great, even though they're younger. Um, They get to practice reading aloud, which is different than reading to yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't read in a monotone. You have to read with inflection and maybe do the voices and, and those kinds of things. Um, And then there's always more books. Like that's one of my things is there's so many books, so little time. So if they read through everything, then, Hey, guess what? We can read more.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Very true. We can. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It, I absolutely. Um, sometimes what I did where you're saying like more books, there's more books. So what some things that I did when the kids were younger and like I had one child who's an absolute I call it was just a book pit. I just like took books and like threw them down, you know, at like rapid pace. But I did make him basically keep we kept on schedule with the sunlight books just because of the coordination, especially, you know, by the time you hit D, where the readers and the and the read alouds and everything are all coordinated historically. So what I would do is maybe find sequels to books. Um, he would particularly like some author, um, we would, you know, then we would get more of those um, for the I just like Sheila suggested, sometimes I would have him read the read alouds um, with me or whatever, um, or to the other kids, the younger ones. Um, I would sometimes Um, Just I think one thing to remember is just if you have a bright child and they're reading really, really, really well, like at third grade, just remember that really all the reading kind of evens out by about fifth grade as a like for a child who doesn't have like severe learning differences or something like that. It all kind of evens out at about fifth grade. So sometimes when I'm talking to parents and they're telling me, you know, my child is so smart, I don't know what I'm going to do because they're six years old and they can read everything. Well, that's great. But um, you need to remember that your child is still six years old and you need to make sure that you're building not this little teeny tiny thin pyramid like, oh, I must get them harder reading. No, you don't. You build a bigger base for your child to stand on is what you do. It's not a thin tower that can topple. It is a big base. And so what you do is get more books and you talk about the concepts that are in there and you extend the thinking and the learning from within the books that they have. And a great example of that is like, um, I have high schoolers. They're like, oh, probably 15, 16-year-old, and they read The Giver. Well, The Giver is probably sixth grade reading level. And you can read it as a sixth grader and enjoy it. But you know what? A 15-year-old, they're really going to get so much more out of it than the sixth grader, the 12-year-old, is going to get. Just, just the same as if you can't give a, <clears throat> a bright child books that are not emotionally and, you know, that they're prepared for. Because just because someone's bright and exceptional in that way doesn't mean that they're actually wise. They still need to be taught by you. They still, you have the wisdom, right? Why? Because you have the experience and because you're the one that has the relationship and can see things from an adult perspective. So careful with that. Um, And I think it's important to remember if you do have a smart child to not be fearful of their brilliance, like, oh, I must be their brilliance. Oh, what am I doing? I must be doing all the things. Well, I think you're kind of getting into a worship mode of, of their brilliance. The thing is, is when a child is given a really bright mind, they did nothing to earn that. And God gave it to them. And what they need to do is figure out how they're going to use that brilliance to further his kingdom. And they're responsible for the gift that they were given. And so they better keep learning as much as they can to, to bring that to bring that forward and I only say that and I probably sound like a really mean mom, but do you want, do you really want somebody who thinks that well of themselves, their head can't even fit through the door because they're (laughs) used to being like way ahead of everybody else instead of having compassion because all that ability and knowledge does no good if they can't interpret and love on other people. It, It doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. So anyway, so I told, I told when, like find the thing that engages their mind. And again, it's that know your child. So I was like the provider of like tape, cardboard, string, like whatever resources they needed. So if we're studying, you know, whatever, catapults, that's usually my best example, you know, in the, in the core B, um, then the world history, then maybe the, we're gonna go to the library and get some more books about, you know, Sieges and cap and, and catapults and things and let them build them in different types and talk about the tension and things. So just extending the activities is what I did. So it wasn't that I needed them to be doing like the next level. I think it's different what Sheila mentioned when she said math, that's true because that's computational. And so the, I would, the testing and things like that. But as far as the, the, um, the actual like literature and language arts and as far as the, the history and science go, I would definitely stay within those age ranges that sunlight suggests. Merely because just because your child is brilliant doesn't mean that they're maturationally ready emotionally for all these different topics and subjects. So because what are you going to do? Give them give them the metamorphosis when they're nine. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, they can read it. Do they understand it? No, they have not a clue. So that's why you build that You build that big, huge base, feed them lots of books, get, get tons that you can, um, you know, flying through sunlight books. Great. But I would be talking about it and I would be making it harder by just the extension activities that I do with it. That's what I do to rich it up for them.
1: Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to add a couple of things on that. Um, so I, I talk to people who are like, I, I don't know where to get good books from. So I do have two sor- sources that I would <clears throat> recommend. Um, one is called Honey for a Child's Heart oh, by Gladys Hunt. I, uh-huh. I was gonna say that and didn't say it, okay. yeah. So yeah. that's a book of books. So, and yep. those books are pretty vet- vetted. Um, yes. I think I, I would say that that I, I would comfortably hand my child a book from that list and, and not worry about the content. Um, another source is um, by Jan Bloom. Mm-hmm. I think that's her name. Um, what, who, who should we then read? She has two vol- volumes of those and they are old timey books. Like they are um, the kind that you would find at a used bookstore or something like that. So there is a backlist of classics that we haven't even touched. You know, okay. someone has tons of books but it is just scratching the surface of what's you know available. Um, another idea is to read the um, Caldecott and Newberry books and the honor books. I mean, there's a whole slew of those. Those mm-hmm. are usually pretty safe. Um, what I would not do is post on Facebook and say, hey, my kid just finished reading fill in the blank. What books do you recommend? I literally saw a friend of mine do this this week and she said, you know, my son just finished, I think he's in like sixth grade, my son just finished all the Harry Potter books, and I don't know what else to give him. And I'm seeing some people post and I'm like, no, no, that is not an appropriate book for that child. I was a little offended. She didn't ask me. Because <laughs> she knows I'm a sunlight gal. Just saying. But um, yeah, so I, I would say yeah. if you do have a child who is just voraciously reading through everything, Just like Rhonda said, if it's a series, read the whole series. Like my son read all the Encyclopedia Brown because he loved reading the one book with sunlight. The library has a slew of them. them Yeah, we read all the boxcard children because they love those books. I mean, I read them aloud, but if you have an older child, that's another idea if you have a child who's a little further along and you are just now starting out with sunlight, you could look at the read-alouds from some of the younger levels. So look at the ABC read-alouds and that's going to be appropriate for third, fourth, fifth grade. So that's, that's another source. And then those have, you know, sequels or the, you know, find a favorite author and read all the backlist of that author. So there is a way to, to give them more, more books. Um, and then um, figure out something that they like to do, whether it's art, give them, you know, buy them art supplies, let, let them do more art. If it's music, then they can practice their instrument more. Um, That's the beauty with homeschooling. They're not gone for six hours and then have two hours of homework. And now they're too tired to do an hour of their, you know, trombone practice because they're exhausted. Mm -hmm. They get done with school in four hours. They can practice for three hours if they want. Um, Mm -hmm. My son, who is now a mechanical engineer, when he was young, he would go with his grandparents and they would look for, Um, stuff that people were throwing out that he could take apart. So he would come home with toaster ovens and computers and, and he would just deconstruct them. I kept waiting for him to like fix things and like be like, Hey mom, look, I fixed this toaster oven. He never did, but (laughs) he loved to just take it apart and look, look at the insides and pull out the magnets that are in, you know, some of the Electronics, and now he's a mechanical engineer. I mean, that was just a passion of his that fed into what he's doing now. So allow your kids the time and the freedom
2: to play because some of that play is actually constructive. No, it is. Yeah, it is. It's learning. I also I was thinking about too. I found extra resources for um my son. I know when he was eight, my father-in-law was an electrical engineer, so. I had him come over. I didn't give him a book. I was just like, talk to him about like your things. And so, in a way, you know, as far as Grant was doing um, algebra when he was in fifth grade. And then by the time he was ninth grade, he had finished calculus. And so, I really became, at that point, I'm not his teacher, I'm <laughs> his guide. And so, what I did was, um, I just felt like I was the resource manager. Right. And I just beat down bushes and like cleared path. I'd be like, which way, where'd you want to go? You wanted to go where? Okay, great. I'll just get out my machete and I will clear the path to whatever it is you want next. And it, and I think because he had been fed so richly with sunlight stuff, I think that's why he, he was interested in things. And yes, he did, you know, my one son and that's funny. So Josh, no, was Grayson, he's a mechanical engineer. He No, he's aerospace. He brought home um, a non-working go-kart and pulled apart the motor, put it back together and welded a new frame. And they had a go-kart for a while. I wrote in it, you don't want to write in it. He didn't put springs, but um, <laughs> but <laughs> it did work. And that's the kind of things, yeah. Just yeah. extension, whatever they're into. And I just, it's, you're the resource manager and just imagine yourself, you're just, you're resourcing and you just beat down things and, and you clear paths for them so they can go. Yes, exactly. yeah Yeah, I
0: love I mean you guys said so many things that were amazing there I love that just all the different ideas and really you know fostering what your kids enjoy so I know like the public library has always been a huge part of my life I have been an avid reader since I was a small child and so I was a book pit too and discovered that I did not have space for all these books I wanted to read, but going to the library allowed me to do that. So that's something that I've done since before my kids were school-aged was take them to the library with me while I selected books. Um, And so as they got older and interested in their own stories, I would let them kind of, okay, well, what do you want to check out? What do you want to look at? And you know my son loves to draw he's very artsy and loves to build and create and so i noticed he was picking out books that would teach him how to draw different things and you know whether it be cartoons or whatever and um so i let him kind of lead okay well what are you interested in show me this you know my daughter is more into fantasy and read a biography on c.s lewis when she was young so then she started reading the chronicles of narnia And um, yeah, I think like you mentioned, Sheila, if you're looking for books that have been well vetted and align with your values, you know, Sunlight does choose a lot of books that are parts Mm -hmm. of series. So you can continue those series or those authors and know that, you know, you're pretty safe with those books. Um, But you don't just have to read all the time. If your child likes to build, let them build if they're, you know, into any any other form of <laughs> you know whatever they're interested in because they're being homeschooled they can learn more about that they can go take additional classes in that area or learn those things um and so yeah you guys have given so many great suggestions um but what would be your best advice maybe for a parent or a child that are struggling right now whether they're on the advanced end or they're struggling to learn different things what would be maybe the number one thing you would tell them to kind of troubleshoot That issue and determine what they should do next.
2: Do you want me to start? Yeah, you can for a minute. (laughs) Okay. All right. I have a few things, and then you can fill in about that. All right. Okay. (laughs) Um, First words out of my mouth are going to be pray about it. Mm -hmm. Honestly, that's the that's the place to start. Is on your knees right there. Um. And that, that I I had never known God to not be faithful to I was like what do I do what do I you know where I go and it wasn't always an answer of like epiphanal but I'm telling you that by the time I, my feet hit the you know hit the ground in the morning I had some sort of idea or concept or some sort of something to to get me in a direction or some sort of insight or, or some such thing so if they're struggling, that's, that's the best thing I'd say. And then another thing would be is, you know, just revel in the fact that just like we were we're talking about, and you were saying, Sonny, how you have all this time with your child, and you know, your child best, just revel in that and, and, and just love that you get to love and you get to be the one that is a And then you're the facilitator, you're the person who knows your child the best, and you are right there and you, you will, you are the best one for this job. Sometimes you might have to outsource a little bit and that's okay. And and you'll know when to do that and you'll find that, but that is my best, I guess my best advice is that pray about it and be assured that you're doing the best thing for them by being with them day out, day out, in. And the other thing you can do is research. I did, I was a lot, I was a researcher. If you don't know the answer, I did a lot of researching, a lot of talking, talking to experts in the field, Googling, whatever. I did that. And then the last thing is, you know, you are the best advocate of your child and you are the one that understands understands them the best. So therefore, I mean, that is the, That is the best next thing you, you are it, you are the expert on your child. And when you get other people involved, just remember that you are still the expert on your child and you can weigh and get their opinions and, and get experts sometimes, but, but be confident in that God has equipped you with everything that you need to be an effective parent, to lead these children, to be the best that, that that God has for them. Okay, now your turn Sheila. You had time okay. to think. Of. Good. You gave me some <laughs> ideas. Okay, good. I'm glad I could. So yeah, I
1: would definitely say pray and ask the Lord to lead you and guide guide you to resources whatever it is that you you may need. And then um I I would go to my hu- husband because sometimes uh you can't see the forest for the trees like I'm too close to it and I can't see it. So yeah. I would go to him and be like, okay, so here's what's going on. And he, um, he's very wise. And so he would be able to, because he stepped back from the situation, he, and, and he's a big picture person and I'm a a de- detail gal, I will get lost in the weeds and he can see the big picture. And so he would be a great um, resource for wise counsel. And then my other thing is to network, talk to other homeschoolers and and ask them, does your kid struggle with spelling? What do you use for spelling? Like I've done this and it's not working. And, you know, just talk, ask, Um, don't be proud because, you know, we wanna wanna brag on our kids and we wanna talk about how smart they are and how, but we don't wanna admit that the kid who's in fifth grade is spelling on a second grade level or whatever the issue may be. So, I found that the more I talked to people, I found out like, oh, this person and this person and this person, like they all are kind of going through it. And this person went to go visit these people over here and they got help over there, but it cost this much. But these people went over here and it was free. And so, you know, the more you network, the more you'll find out what um, is available. And because, uh, you know, as much as we homeschool and we want to be the primary teacher, t- teacher, we cannot be the special ed teacher and, you know, everything else. So, um, if you find that you need outside help, don't be too proud for that. And, um, and, you know, the earlier you get the intervention, the more you'll make strides, you know? So like, if you wait till fifth grade and you don't have a child who can read some, sometimes it's just a developmental delay and they, just need more time to mature. Um, but sometimes it's like, oh, if I'd have started back here in third third grade, we wouldn't have gotten so far behind. So, um, you know, we, I, I had a, um, we, we took our kids to a, um, um, to be evaluated. I'm trying to think of the words not coming to me. Um, In our state, we have to have year end evaluations and we would go to a certified teacher in order to do that. And so the first year, the second year, the third year, oh, you don't have to worry about it. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. By by the third year, she's like, all right, now he shouldn't be reversing letters anymore. And he should be further further along in his reading. Yeah, you may want to look into that. But in first grade, it was very nor- normal for kids to reverse their le- letters. And in second grade, it was very nor- normal that they weren't reading chapter books or whatever. So um, so she was able to give me some gui- guidance, but I didn't ignore it when I found out like, okay, I should start looking into if we're having some issues and doing some testing and what we need to do about that. So,
2: yeah. 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 One quick thing is, asking advice or like resourcing and definitely resourcing networking because you find others smart ladies but one thing I would say is like when it comes to curriculum try to like I wouldn't be jumping like I guess kind of really weigh that when you're going to go switching around and and just because maybe maybe I guess what I'm going to say is this Sometimes it's better to ask somebody who's further along in the process. And you can see, shall we say, the proof of the pudding. Um, than ask somebody asking somebody for help who's right in the bushes with you. Right. Because they may not have quite figured it out as much as you want. So finding maybe an older homeschooling mom who's got maybe kids now who are in high school are doing well and, you know, and you've got elementary or some, some such thing like that. Is that what I meant?
1: Yeah, that's what I meant about asking. Yeah,
2: (laughs) we have a neighbor who
1: has kids who are just a few years above mine and she was in the same boat as I was. She was not even a homeschooler. She was actually a private school um, teacher. And she gave me some really great resources here where I live um, where, where to go to get my kids tested and things like that, because her kids were dyslexic and she had to, you know, go down that road. So yeah, she was further along and could help me, but not, not in the trenches with me. Correct.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that is a good point. The I feel like the longer I've homeschooled, the more I'm like, oh yes, this is working. You know, and when you first start yeah. out, everything is—is is this normal? It's is right. this right? Like, okay. should I be concerned about that? Um, I think the only thing I would add to what you guys are saying too is, if you think there might be something going on, check with your child's pediatrician to kind of find out what is normal at this age. You know, are and then maybe they can let you know, like, oh yeah, at this age, it's developmentally appropriate to be anywhere. On this spectrum. Right. Um, and then that way, you know, kind of, do I need to do okay. further research into this? But yeah, I think the suggestion to take it to God first. Um, sometimes we feel like we're not equipped to be the parents we need to be, but God gave us these children. So he will give us what we need yes. to handle all of those issues. Um, So yeah, absolutely. I think that is great advice. And thank you ladies for so much for being here and providing so much helpful information. Another option for people watching is our Sunlight advisors and mentors. Uh, They're always available to help you. So you can head over to sunlight.com for more information on that or our app or Facebook or anything like that. We also have our sunlight blog, which gives tips on many of these things. So if you're, you know, just kind of struggling and need a little more advice from somebody further along in the journey, that's a great place to look. Yeah, Sheila, Rhonda, thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Sure. Thank you for joining us here on the Sunlight Connections podcast. You can also visit Sunlight Curriculum on social media, in our Sunlight app, or at sunlight.com. I am Sunny from Sunlight, reminding you to tune in next time.